Elephant in the Room is an anarchist radio show from Western Europe, where we talk with activists from all around the world about politics, life and universe. Airing every second and fourth Monday of the month on Color Radio. You can find the podcast version of the show on the Channel Zero Network or on your favorite podcast platform. From activists for activists. Welcome to the show today. We have a comrade from a medical self-defense network, Alexis. Hey, Alexis, welcome. Hey. I think a lot of people are not aware of what medical self-defense network is. I kind of got in touch with you guys some time ago, uh, but I think most of the people inside of the anarchist circles or leftist circles have no idea what is happening. Maybe you've heard recently about your work in Ukraine. Um, can you tell us a bit about the history of the group? Like, how did it get together? When was it started? And what kind of people involved in it right now? Yeah, so um, we are a network of, of different people around the world, like mo mostly around what we call the West. Um, we are doing work in, in medical field, but in, in the wide range of medical field, I would say. And the group was uh, created not very long ago, uh, last year, um, this year, I would say. And uh, it it came from experiences of some comrades uh, working as a combat medic or willing to support um, people when there is a medical field work needed. And it, it came out after experiences in uh, northeastern Syria to help the people of this region for to get medi medical care and medical treatment. And we decided to create this network to be able to bring medical care in a wide range of, uh, of fields in different parts uh, of Europe also, and uh, to pursue the work that we were doing in Northeastern Syria with uh, the war breaking up in, in Ukraine, almost one year now. Yeah, this is basically what, what we are doing and how it, it started. For, I think, a lot of people inside of the anarchist movement, this is not really a traditional thing to do. You know, you join the anarchist movement, you go to the demonstrations, you participate in maybe some smaller groups or in bigger anarchist organizations um, or leftist, abstract, bigger political um, body. So... I can imagine that for a lot of people, this is something unusual or like not really common. Why is it actually important for you to work in that direction, to do this work um, in comparison to all the other work that is done within the political movement? I would say that it's pretty much on the same page, getting involved in, in a group and going to demonstrations uh, whether it's occupying lands or, you know, everything that we can do in the so-called anarchist movement. <clears throat> we see medical care or at least medical field as a, a base of self-defense for the, the people to be able to sustain themselves uh, in their communities. We see medical care as uh, something that is um, very important to do. Um, we can we can make an, an analogy here with the 
food production, I think, because if you don't have food production, then you, you cannot be autonomous. You cannot sustain yourself. You cannot feed yourself and your community. And it goes the same way for the medical care, because if you cannot heal your wounded, if you cannot take care of each other uh, in a medical sense, then you cannot sustain your community. So I would say this is uh, something that came up um, from our experiences on the field. But as we see the, the movements, we need uh, proper medical care yeah, to be able to reach this uh, autonomy and to be able to bring self-defense as uh, something very important in our lives. And I think the one of the goal of this group is to be able to provide medical care for free or at least as free as possible um, and and so yeah this is this is part of our uh, self-defense imaginary or how we see self-defense right i think like for a lot of comrades it actually got more attention meaning the the medical uh, autonomy or whatever you describe it uh, with COVID and people seeing that, okay, they actually do not have support from anybody and they're on their own pretty much. So I can imagine that for a lot of comrades, this kind of became understandable. The necessity of the medical um, experience and the medical knowledge inside of the anarchist movement. But what was your experience with the people in, as you were saying, in so-called Western world? Do you have like a positive feedback? Do people willing to join? Or is it still like on the on something that's kind of hard to find a place in the anarchist movement? I think until now we had positive feedbacks uh, from the comrades we were discussing this matter with. Even though it, it's very small for now and it's, it's kind of starting in a way. We have a, a lot of things that we need to figure out. But in my context, for example, uh, I discussed this matter and this MSD and this network with a lot of comrades. And every time the reactions are pretty much uh, the, the same, people see the need for medical care, autonomous medical care. I mean, uh, separate from the state's structures or official structures in a way. And yeah, every time it's it's a bit the same feedback. It's like, it's necessary, it's important. And as you said, especially with COVID, we saw that a lot of uh, states, actually, at least in Europe, a lot of states were not doing the job as uh, as they should have done. So we we see the need to be autonomous on that, and in in a sense, it it, it connects also with the works that a lot of groups are doing as uh, street medics, because then, for example, if you're involved in a demonstration uh, and you you have people wounded. In a lot of places, nobody will take care of these wounded people, but the street medic teams that are on the field at that time. So, um, yeah, it's 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 a need that pretty much everybody see as very important and very meaningful. But for now, we have like, as I said, a lot of work to go through to be able to bring MSDN as a, like proper structure that can work and that can sustain itself. Okay. I would kind of jump right now to a bit different topic, not um, about your group specifically. I actually got to know you guys uh, through 
work that you're doing in Ukraine and the amazing work that you're doing in Ukraine. There are actually a lot of different groups involved in the support of the Ukrainian people in their fight against the Russian imperialism. Can you tell the listeners about what kind of work you are doing there and what is your experience of working there at these hard times? Well, the the work that is done by MSD and teams in, in Ukraine is uh, basically combat medic uh, work. So working on the field, working on the hospital sometimes, working on the triage points. It's, uh, I would say, basic war health work, like connecting with the, the needs of wounded people and especially war injuries that are much worse than the common common injuries that you can find in, in normal life, I would say. We we try to to get money to uh, send ambulance over there, fully equipped, to send, uh, like we had a kind of a small campaign not long ago to raise money for, to get like a thermal scope for these medics to be able to work in the dark. So it's basically the same work that we were doing in northeastern Syria. Um, and this goes with the defense unit on the ground. But of course, it's linked to like the state army in a way because of the very specific context in, in Ukraine right now. But yeah, th this is the, the work that we are doing there. For a lot of people, when the invasion broke off in February, actually, there was quite a lot of questions about whether support um, Ukrainian people or not, because there was like massive propaganda from the Russian side about, oh, all Ukrainians are fascists and all this bullshit that is still like rolling, right? But you decided against those narratives, so against um, pushes that are kind of well-known in, again, in the so-called Western world where people prefer to stay away or say, okay, Ukrainians should give up and um, other bullshit that is coming also from the anarchist corners. Why did you decide to start working in Ukraine in the first place? What was the motivation there? And what are the goals of the group in working in the country right now? if there are any apart from just basically saving people's lives? Well, I think it. what comes first in, in this topic is to uh, listen and follow or not the, the state narratives. And I think we, we don't want to follow state narratives because, as you said, it, we have two choices, basically. Or we follow the Russian narrative, state narrative. So it's like, yeah, all Ukrainians are fascists and and there, there is terrorism in their Nazis or whatever bullshit they're saying. But on the other side, it's like Ukrainian state narrative or Western narratives that goes from US to Ukraine, basically, on the, on the field. And, and it's not better. It's like state propaganda. But I think our decision came from the fact that we had this experience from north northeastern Syria. And so we saw that the state narrative are not the same as the, the people need, of course, because on one hand, you have states that are pushing their, their politics and narratives and what they want to appeal for the 
for this war. And on the other hand, you have very classic normal people, I would say, on the field that, that needs medical care because it's a war context. So I think that the idea to go there was um, first to yeah to help people to try to heal and 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 if possible save lives and do what we know uh, like the, the field we are involved in uh, in in Ukraine, but also very early in 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 this war there were people like comrades I would say like people organizing to try to create self-defense units more on the military side and willing to fight uh, not not for their the nation but for their their country for their, their their very land or their their people so i think this decision to go to work in ukraine was motivated by, by these two two things um try to bring uh, medical care in the war context the better we can and to try to save people, but at the same time also uh, supporting our comrades and the very people of Ukraine that are not uh, very concerned by this state narrative because they just try to make their life through war and bombings and whatever. And what is actually the reaction of the Ukrainian people towards the Westerners coming, you know, like the, the foreigners coming and helping. What is your experience with that, taking account that you are working like on the front lines? Well, th this is always a, a difficult question <clears throat> because uh, it's always uh, it's always difficult to know what the locals think about Westerners coming if we talk about Ukraine or what the locals think about white people westerners coming if if we talk about northeastern syria my experience is more on the northeastern syria side and uh, so i cannot talk so much about uh, how people see our teams working in ukraine um but usually the, the reaction is is quite the same that there is a kind of uh you know you, you look at each other a bit weird at the beginning but when medical support is coming from the teams and it's coming right, like in the good way, and they are doing their job the best they can, I think the locals are always kind of giving trust to us in in what we are doing. So, yeah, it's it's a tough question because it's always also there is this this kind of of uh, ghost of you know what what was happening uh, during the. The past wars in in especially in europe even in 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 the eastern europe and people coming uh, that are not from the region whether it's for military help or for medical help that often goes together if we talk about state armies and quite often it's it's uh, these armies are here to stay uh, we saw it during the second world war for example or any occupation from the so-called liberators after in other wars so i think when they see that you're not from a state army or when they see that your your field of, of concern and work is more about the medical then it's easier to to bring trust between the, the medical team and the, the locals you were also mentioning a couple of times the work that you're doing in northeastern syria 
I read also on your website that there are other places where you are doing trainings and some other stuff. Can you talk about that work? What and where do you currently do your operations or whatever we call that? Of course, talking about the things that you can actually talk and make public. Yeah, so there is a kind of two, uh, two field right now that MSDN is working on, let's say. Well, three, but if we talk about proper medical training or, or work, uh, there is this underground, these operations, we can call it, happening in, with our teams in Ukraine and northeastern Syria. There, are, there is also another, another field, which is, uh, which is more about this network kind of thing. It's like we are trying to develop nodes of this network, um, all around Europe and the US. And so we have also people working in different places uh, to build this kind of nodes. I myself, uh, I'm in a place where I try to create a node of this network. And the goal of these nodes are to gather people around medical care, whether it, it's like doctors, nurses, mas massage therapists, or you know, different kind of medicine and healing practices and to try to, to make these nodes autonomous from the, the bigger structure. And the, the advantage that you gain if you are a node of this structure is to, of this network, is to be able to have a, a wide uh, community of people that are working in different countries, different nations, different whatever, around Europe and the world to exchange knowledge, to be, to go to see educations and eventually to gather and to try to exchange about the needs in different regions of the world to be able to, I don't know, raise money, for example, to for, for a specific place or to build uh, social centers or healing centers. So th these are the, the kind of two fields, I would say. Operations on the ground, where it's very needed at the time because of war context, for example, and nods in, in regions that are more calm, I would say, and, and that, that still needs uh, also medical care because it's the base of society as we, as we see it, as, as I was saying before, to sustain self-defense, we need proper medical care and treatment for everybody and everywhere. So we're trying to develop this, this network in this sense. And there's a, a third field that is, of course, very connected to the, to the first one that I was talking about, which is a, a project that we are now uh, doing with other comrades. And it's uh, about uh, printing, 3D printing tourniquets. Because like we saw with the, in Europe, for example, with the Ukraine war, a lot of uh, supply went to Ukraine very fast because of the need of medical treatment there. And so a lot of, uh, of products were out of stock uh, very, very quickly. And tourniquets are, are very some, really something that is important in the medical treatment for bullet wounds or for very big injuries or to avoid massive bleeding. So we, we saw this item going out of stock very fast. So we were thinking why don't we try to 3D print some of them to be able to produce our own also and to be able to give to our teams and to spread it around. 
So this is another, let's say, another field of work that we have. And you were talking about like trying to create some bigger network. How easy actually it is for comrades to join it? Should they just write you an email and maybe then you get in touch and start talking? Or how can you actually join the network right now? Yeah, it's it's basically for now it's basically like this that we were working. I would say even even easier than that. For, for now, what we were doing is that we were trying to gather people or to meet people when we were uh, moving from place to place, and to talk with these people. Uh, very often, it, it, it's like people already working in medical field or already having medical like uh, knowledge. I would say. And we try to meet these people in person. It's better, but of course, if we if we don't, we we have this uh, email address. And yeah, we we just try to explain how is the network uh, running, how we see the the work, and how we think that we could create a knot of this network here and there. And after, it's all about you know specific context in different places, so that some people would create a nod in in this way some other people in other contexts would would do it differently but basically it's just about uh yeah contact contacting us and we start talking as you said <laughs> and then we try to see what are the needs in every context and how we can do it to to build a nod and how it can run and i would say one of the things that are important in my opinion it's how this nod can be autonomous it can run by itself, not depend on the greater network, but also how the network can help the, the nodes if it's needed, whether it's about fundraising or material support or, you know. So it's quite easy to join, actually. And we just need to get a common understanding of the work that we want to do and how we want to do it. And also, especially the the mindset or the, the ideology that is behind it as i was saying before this kind of medical as a medical field as a um, base of self-defense for the people there is something that i didn't ask you in this conversation and that's like political side of the whole project for sure a lot of things were already mentioned but do you see yourself as anarchist leftist socialists or maybe even communists. And what do those political um, ideas mean for you, for your organizing and for your perspective for the future? Well, this is another tough question because always political yeah, stems or definitions is, uh, is a bit tricky, uh, especially that it can have different meaning. Uh, for example, if we talk about communism, Communism is a very different understanding of communism uh, from the Western Europe to the Eastern Europe, for example. So I would say that we are mostly leftist. But yeah, I, I know that some comrades would definitely define themselves as anarchist. Other would not say that because they would think it's too narrow. But yeah, we can we can say we're leftist. And, and I think this is important because it brings not only the political style we are in or like the, the political direction we are kind of following, but also it brings all the the heritage from the, the past movements, the past struggles. 
for sure, if we think about leftists, well, there is already images that comes to mind, whether it's the Paris Commune, uh, whether it's the Spanish Revolution, whether it's like, you know, whatever. Um, and I don't have so many ideas for Eastern Europe or Central Europe, as I don't know this context very well. But you know what I mean? There, there is a heritage from the, the past movements if we are, if we think of ourselves as leftist. And so for sure, this brings uh, not only political perspectives, but also a sense of the greater uh, project we are in, like the, the greater idea that we want to, to bring with this medical self-defense. Because calling the network medical self-defense network is already kind of political because we could have done just medical network, but it's it's a bit thin. So this idea of, of the medical field as a, a base of self-defense for the people is already something that was uh, that was brought by previous movements in the world. And so we are kind of, uh, in a sense, following these other movements and adding our stone to the to the wall of the people's struggle. For me, like the coming from the Eastern Europe, right? Communism is like a, let's say a, a red uh, piece of clothes in front of the bull because for us it was always considered as anarchists, kind of an enemy ideology or something like that. Um, and I think it changed a little bit when I moved also a little bit more west and I um, seen the people having a little bit different perspectives. Well, I think like also in in the in the region of eastern europe there is a lot of history with uh, anarchist organizing for us it's specific like anarchist organizing because there was a huge split between the anarchists and like authoritarian communists and some socialists and so on because of the historical background um so i mean there is a lot for example of communication about uh, machno movement um in uh, in ukraine and there is a lot of kind of presence of that not only among the anarchists but also among the general population that sees Machno as a as a hero of the fight not only against like the monarchists but also against the authoritarian communists and um, there is also a lot of things that are never surfacing or never becoming public because in general like the the narrative of the Soviet Union not only in Belarus but in the whole East Bloc countries was very ideological and the history that we know is not the history that happened but rather like the history that we are supposed to know from the history books of the Soviet ideologists and a lot of history is erased because the people who were participating in some uprisings or some protests never had a power to become public so um, for us, those those stories are sometimes popping up, but quite often they are forgotten, unfortunately. Yeah, but I mean, the work that you are doing is is awesome, and it's good that um, it's also, at least for me, it, it's good to hear that it also has some kind of a political wrap-up around it. Um, yeah, because for us in Eastern Europe, this is a, quite an important part of the struggle that is going on. I have like a very abstract and another complicated question, which is connected with you being a kind of an organized leftist anarchist organization um, or a network. What is your perspective on the future of the anarchist revolutionary movement, if there is any future for us in these fucked up times, in these dark times? Wow. 
<laughs> yeah, <laughs> you, you said it. It's a, it's a tough question. Yeah, um, I I think there is a future because uh, like the, sometimes it it can feel that the work we are doing is is pointless or we never reach the goal that we we fixed ourselves or you know these kind of things. You it can feel too big to reach a revolutionary context or whatever. But I think um, I think a lot of people, I, I will come back also to this idea of the, the past uh, movements and, and the one that I know better in, in Western Europe, for example. But for sure, at one point, if we talk about the Paris Commune, for example, um, you know, like it ended very, very bad for, for them and, and they, they almost all get killed. And so... For sure, at, the, at this very moment, they would they would think that everything is done and, and that they they're finished and nothing will will go on. But in fact, there is people now that are still, you know, doing this kind of, of, of things that are still uprising, that are still willing to be free in the sense of being free from patriarchy, from capitalism, from what what is oppressing us. So, uh, I think. It's not about if if we as persons, as people, as have have hope or not. I think it's more than than that. I, I think we we are serving a greater good in in a way, because uh, we saw in history that the, the common way of life or like the the way to live freely or the the beliefs of of anarchist, leftist, communist. If we if we don't talk about state communism still goes on from ages so i think it's it's a very tough question yeah but i think it it cannot die i think it cannot end up bad at all like we can die we can be crushed down we can whatever they can destroy our houses they can destroy our networks they can kill people whatever i don't think it it can end because it's 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 the very essence of the of the people of this world is like to live freely in a common environment, like in, in an environment that is is ruled by the common rules, I would say, common common good. So you can push this down for ages or centuries because of state capitalism, whatever, but you cannot destroy this because it's I think I believe it's the very foundation of, of human being. So yeah, for sure, it's it's a it's a tough thing to 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 work on. It's it's very long term perspectives, and we might not even see uh, the the goals that we are willing to reach in our lifetime. But maybe it will take a few generations. I don't know. But um, yeah, I I think I think we are working for for the common good, and and this cannot be crushed. Good words. Wrapping it up a little bit, what kind of help actually and um, support you would be happy with coming from from the anarchist community or from the brighter like communities that want to support? What kind of support is required right now? Well, talking about priorities, I think uh, one of the priorities or like the, the top priority, I would say, is uh, is raising money, fundraising. Because uh, we have teams already working in, in very, very tough context, as we said before, in Ukraine or in northeastern Syria. And so they definitely need 
you know, material they need, gauze, compresses, ambulance, whatever, tourniquets. They, they, they need material and they need support, material support. So I would say that the, the first matter is uh, fundraising for us, like, of course. But of course, there are, as we said, we are a network. So I would say it's also very important that if people that want to support us feel like creating a node of this network in their context, it, it would be also very welcome. Because for sure we need money to sustain our teams, to provide them with the materials they need, the protection they need, the plate carriers, the thermal scopes, whatever. But also the more people in the network, the better the network will will work and the better we will be able to raise money because you know like if we are i don't know 100 in, in the network if we need to raise 10k then we are less people than if we are 10,000 people in the network and we need to raise 10,000 euros for example then it's of course easier the more people the greater the network so yeah i would say these are the the, the two things that i have in mind fundraising first and then participating in the network, coming with us in this uh, great work. <laughs> All right. I will put then in the notes to the show, the link to the website, and um, there you can find how to donate or how to contact the awesome people from Medical Self-Defense Network. Is there anything you would like to add, actually, at the end of the whole interview to our listeners that we didn't talk about? Um, yeah, so uh, for now, like we, you, you will put the, the, the website, so it's msdnetwork.org, uh, and the contact is uh, medicalselfdefense at protonmail.com. Um, so, of course, uh, anybody can get in contact and we can discuss and, you know, talk about the things and see how to make it possible uh, for anything, whether it's like a donation or participation or I don't know even sometimes throwing up a, an event somewhere or whatever. Um, but I think we were going around quite well. So I would just like to thank you for this uh, this time and for this space to talk about our network and hopefully getting it to be more known in, the, in our comrades groups. And yeah, I think the people who would like to consider participating or donating to us it's it's really important and it can save life actually that's that's already proven <laughs> by the the teams that are working on the ground so yeah thanks a lot thank you very much alexis thanks a lot for your work actually that you're doing the work that your comrades are doing you are fucking amazing and you are i think an inspiration for me but i'm pretty sure an inspiration for like thousands of other anarchists who are out there fighting and not giving up and believing in a better world without the fucked up states, without Putin, but also without other horrible people. Yeah. Thanks once again and see you on the barricades. <laughs> Thank you. Bye. People need ordering principles. Toy Rules for What is a podcast about fascism and the far right. From the perspective of the left, it's obviously great stuff, but don't take our word for it. Here is a word from our sponsor. I'm Jordan Peterson. 
Now that I have been injected with the anti-fascist super-soldier serum, I renounce all my rubbish beliefs about hierarchies and the distribution of sex and dedicate my life, my soul, to the 12 rules for what podcast. So that's 12 rules for what? A podcast about the far right. Get it anyway, get your podcasts. 12 rules for what?